Welcome to the Patch Bay. This is the podcast for all things audio production, and I'm your host, Pags, and with me is... Mikhail. Wow. Wow, yeah. All right, we're off to a good start here. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Excellent. So, what's going on? This is our first podcast here, and uh, we're trying to get things set up and squared away and try to make this somewhat listenable. So, uh, what should we talk about today? Uh, well, you know, I guess it's a podcast, uh, all things audio. Well, I think maybe first we, we should like introduce ourselves a little bit. Um, you know, uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go first. I, uh, my name is Mikhail. I'm a, a music producer, studio owner, musician, um, almost 20 years experience in this industry. Um, I have a lovely studio that I'm recording in, uh, right now, Black Rock Sound in Connecticut. Um, and yeah, I, I made a lot of records and I'm going to continue making a lot of records. <laughs> Excellent. I understand you have a couple of awards under your belt as well. Oh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Jeez. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm Pags, uh, also studio owner, musician, and producer. Uh, been doing this, God, since the late 90s, I guess. I think I did my first studio session in the mid-90s. And uh, yeah, kind of same thing, uh, producing a lot of stuff. I just started a YouTube channel dealing mainly with uh, microphone and gear things studio related and uh yeah yeah an awesome youtube channel that um i watch every week oh thanks yeah no i think you do a really great deep dive into um you know um for those of you that don't know his uh channel um mei um pags does a a great i guess it's kind of your main segment um the mic locker uh Mm -hmm. which is a breakdown uh every week you do a teardown well almost every week you do a teardown of like a different microphone um and my personal favorite part of it is you go into the history uh of the microphones and like and the the companies behind them and i always learn uh something fascinating like i think last week uh you did the road uh ntk mm-hmm. and i had no idea that uh road i think the first microphone they put out it was it was like it like looked like a rat or so oh, no no it it uh they they were selling like rats or something like that right yeah the their profits were going up like rats up a drain pipe right that's what it said. was yeah like yes. rats up a drain pipe and and that's why they called it uh the road nt1 because rodent, rodent. and so the company right. was ro- i was <laughs> like that melted my brain yes yeah. <laughs> you know the, funny enough actually the road nt1a um, I got a pair of them when I was 16, 17, first professional microphones I ever owned. And mm-hmm. I still have two of them. Uh, I still have <laughs> one of them was modded by Michael Jolie many years ago at Octava Mod. That was a wonderful company that used to modify great mics. And um, the other one remained unmodded just kind of as a testament of like where I came from. And uh, right. yeah, there I still have them. And I, I never knew that. So my yeah, my first LDC was one of the original NT ones uh with the ceramic body the no ceramic, logo yeah. um and yeah that was that was stolen from me i'm yeah, very bummer. upset about that so sad so sad oh, i shed a tear for your fallen microphone um so speaking of microphones and your channel i thought a great first topic which i think should end up eventually becoming a segment on this uh podcast <laughs> is uh a a disease that we are both uh heavily afflicted with um gas i think we need to talk yeah. about gas 
uh, gear acquisition syndrome. Oh, that gas. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that gas. Yeah, that gas. <laughs> I think I got the other one too, but then I don't have to go into that. <laughs> so uh, we both obviously have you know beautiful recording studios with uh, with a lot of equipment that you can see some of yours in the background. Uh, yeah. I think I don't know in the wide shot you may see like a small amount of my guitars hanging on the on the wall. But um, yeah, man, we just like in the time that we've known each other, I think both of our studios and. Uh, gear lockers have grown exponentially i think it would be our relationship is toxic (laughs) (laughs) i i think i think it could be described as as what people would say is uh enabler kind of thing yeah 100 we do it to each other (laughs) yeah 100 very very painfully i don't think a week goes by that one of us doesn't call the other hey did you see the oh blank so painful (laughs) so painful yeah Yeah. there are several microphones that i own including this one that I'm recording into basically yes. because you were like, Hey dude, this thing is the greatest. <laughs> no, I do love me some 441. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which we should actually maybe say, you know, Hey, this week I'm recording into a uh, Sennheiser 441. It's a really beautiful uh, dynamic microphone that uh, basically sounds like a condenser. Yes, it does. It's, it's, uh, it's great on vocals. Um, I use it a lot uh, in my uh, live funk project, Love Raptor, where we record um, a full band live for our videos. And this is mm-hmm. great on vocals. Got pretty solid rejection. Um, oh, yeah. Amazing percussion it. microphone. Yes, uh, I was going to say that that is my go-to for most percussion. What I've been doing typically is um, when I set up a drum kit, I set this up as the drummer's talk back. And then once he's done cutting the drums and when we move on to like shaker percussion, I'm just like, all right, now just like move that down. And that's our shaker mic now. Right. So nice. this thing's super, super useful. And Pags, what are, what are you recording into over there? A big fat <laughs> RE20. <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to try and keep this somewhat PG. I don't know. Yeah. That's, um, that's going to last maybe 10 minutes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I just using a stock RE twenty. Uh, I'm going directly into my uh, my camera. I'm using the uh, the Blackmagic six uh, K. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. About fifty dB again. I think I have set up right now. So next time when we do this, I can remember what I used. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Very I, quiet I microphones. Both of these dynamic mics. Yeah. 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 Uh, the rejection on this is great. Also, and the nice it thing is. is I can kind of move around, and it doesn't really change the sound too much you know you can yeah you know, yeah no that can, that's that's really good it, it's forgiving and that's because of the you know the construction i actually did video on this also and explain the whole purpose of you know what these little venti poos are on the side of the mic mm-hmm. uh so but i think what's, uh, what's fascinating yeah. about those is um how like i don't know what the right word for it is but like how low tech some of those solutions are like it's hey we're gonna put vents on the side of the microphone and where they are in relationship to the front of the capsule is how that's gonna like cancel out how it's gonna do like rear rejection that's like yeah. that's mind-blowing to me i mean there's math involved in it but yeah i mean if you think about when this mic came out which i think was late 60s um i think it was like 68 69 somewhere in there yeah um i could be completely wrong on that i'm probably pulling that out of my ass but uh <laughs> but um yeah i mean if you if you do think about that like where you know the technology to to make those calculations and everything like somebody actually probably sat there with like a pen and a paper was like okay if we go three inches that's going to reject right. uh 42 hertz and uh, if we go three inches and one millimeter it's going to be 43 hertz yeah and, that's yeah, truly insane so. But yeah, back to this gas thing, man. We got it. <laughs> we do. We do. Um, we certainly do. We certainly yeah, do. Um, mine is uh, definitely uh, 
more geared towards the mic thing. And I think a lot of that has to do with me starting that channel and, and trying new things out and okay i don't want to call you out but did you start the channel so you would have an excuse to get more microphones <laughs> like which which way what's we the don't cost? talk about that what's we don't talk about that relationship hey this? hey hey you have a fair child <laughs> i don't want to hear anything <laughs> hey you agreed to build it <laughs> yeah that's true but you paid for it that's very true in more way than one <laughs> no i mean yeah i actually have to i still have to replace the uh, power tranny on it yeah oh man yeah but anyways yes so you have a lot of microphones yeah i've actually run out of room at this point um and i <laughs> i cry me a river well here's how deep the gas goes so i ran out of room in my mic cabinet so i i bought another cabinet <laughs> I, was gonna, I thought you were gonna say yeah I'm, put, I'm putting it in my kid's closet he can't have clothes anymore <laughs> yeah you know it's it's almost to that but no i actually i got an i got another little rack cabinet kind of thing that i'm moving all the power supplies for the tube mics to wow so that i could put more mics into the cabinet that that's the funny. mics are in so that's so funny it's it's bad but i i've i can't think of the last time that i bought a piece of like outboard gear or or you know anything like that um really mm-hmm. most of my purchases recently have been either you know plug-in related or you know mic related but uh, I mean, I'm not hurting for gear here, so I can't. I honestly can't think of anything else gear. Wa- oh, I shouldn't say that because yeah, I can think of some things. I mean, you know, never say never, Crap. right? <laughs> I, you, we dude, were just I talking about that. the other day. Uh, I, the, I said that several years ago, and since then, I have amassed quite a collection. Yeah, yeah. Every time I bring up a mic to you, you're like, I don't need any more mics. Wait, what is that now? <laughs> yeah yeah although listen okay. i'm not a, i'm not as sick with microphones as you are um i think for a very long time i had one kick drum microphone that was the beta 52 the shore beta 52 <laughs> fantastic still still i think is still a fantastic kick drum microphone and then i think was it was it your you had started talking about the the akg d12 mm-hmm. uh and then i was recording a project at a uh, carriage house in stanford um shout out carriage house studios in stanford that's where i cut my teeth um that's where we met that is where we met that's right yeah we know each other because of johnny you came into mix i mixed yep. your band uh god what was what was the name of that silent band? fate silent fate yeah that's right i yep. mixed the uh the last silent fate record yeah we, i think we did that in a marathon like 24 oh. hour day Dude, that was ridiculous. Uh, I remember yeah. us getting to IHOP before yes. IHOP opened. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we were standing like, outside at whoa. like 6.45 in the morning and the waitresses <laughs> yeah. were walking around like, what are these dudes doing? Because we just like, we just stayed up. It was yeah. it was bananas. Uh, I think we were only supposed to do like three songs and and you were just like, fuck it, let's do the whole thing. Yeah, like, exactly. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? Hey, a friendship has blossomed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, wallets are emptied. <laughs> uh, well, listen, you know, one way or another. Um... But yeah, you were talking about the D12, uh, and I, for whatever reason, like I think we were talking about the D12 and the D112, and I remember early in my career, I was using the D112, and I never really loved it. Um, and when I picked up a Beta 52, uh, somebody turned turned me onto it, and I put it in front of a kick drum, and I was like, "That's exactly what I want things mm-hmm. to sound like." So I just basically used that microphone without fail on the on my inside kick for probably 10 uninterrupted years yeah i mean it's it's a kick mic it's yeah it's a great sounding kick mic it's gotta go (laughs) i mean i i I know you don't like you don't have as much love for it as i do but um i i I still really dig it i know you do well you've got eight 
you've got eight. Well, it, it, we're going to get to that. Uh, so last year, mics? no, I, I have I, I have twelve. But anyway, yeah, the the shootout that's coming up is twelve kick mics. But anyway, I'm not ca- so I'm not counting things like uh, FET forty seven style mics that you would put on the outside because they have multiple Neither uses. Am I. Oh, dude, you're sick. <laughs> you're, that's that's anyway. Yeah. So I, we were talking about the the D12, and um, that got me looking, I think, into the D12 VR, um, the new version, the reissue D12, which I think you're there. It's part of your upcoming kick drum shootout that you talked about, right? Yeah. 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 I just did the uh, comparison between the D12E, the D112, and the D12R. I forget. Is that video live already? Yep. yep. Right. Yeah. Because I, rem- I, I don't remember if I heard it or if I watched it. But, um, yeah. but so... Us talking about it like six months ago got me to buy a D12 VR and I love it. And since then I've been trying to like record everything with it. Um, and actually the beta 52 has been sitting in my, in my cabinet, but, um, yeah, that's a, that's Wait a good for one. somebody to bring an 18 inch floor, Tom, and then you're going to pull out the beta 52. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Like, yep. That's exactly. it. Or actually put the beta 52 in the kick and the D12 VR goes on the floor, Tom. Yeah. Either yeah, way. One, one way I, or another. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess technically, you know, if you count the RE20, I also have, I guess that would be my third. All right. Mic. Yeah. Um, I never, I never use the RE20 on kick. That thing permanently sits on my floor, Tom. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, that was something that I was, uh, trying to find a, uh, an alternate to it. Um, I, I, I've been looking for like the perfect floor Tom mic and I'm convinced to this day that still one doesn't exist, but um, I think a lot of it also has to do with the floor tom itself, how it's tuned, of course, and, yeah. you know, the resonance of it and what you're really looking to focus. Cause what you're going to put on a floor tom for like a jazz session is not what you're going to put on a floor tom for a metal session or totally, you know, uh, totally. Yeah. For, for a jazz session, I mean, you may very well put something like a large diaphragm condenser, like, you know, it wouldn't be unheard of to put an 87 on a, or no mic know, at all and just, you know, work off of the overhead or, or oh, something sure, like sure. that too. But yeah, yeah. um, or do like a it, Glenn Johns setup where you have the, you know, the side overhead yep. overhead, which is like a large diaphragm condenser over there. Yeah. But so, so you said you have 12 kick drum microphones. I, I think it's, it's either 11 or 12 is something like that. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah I, I, I need, I need to ask you this question. Uh-huh. Do you feel, why? do you, yeah, well, yeah. Why do you, do you feel like you need all of them? Um, like, could you pair it back and still be happy? <laughs> So, so here's the thing. So I have a pair of D one twelves. Um, and the reason I have that is because when I was like, I was doing a lot of metal stuff back in the early 2000 stuff. Yeah. So I had a pair of those because guys with double bass would come in. Like I need something. I, they got to sound the same on both sides. Sure. Um, and then as I started getting into like other genres of music and things like, it's like, okay, yeah, I can make do with the 112, but like if I used, I think the second kick mic that I got was probably the Beta 52. Mm. And that was like, all right, you know, this kind of gets more of that sub, that really deep kind of thing. This is great for, you know, jazz, rock, you know, that kind of thing. Actually, even before that, I think I got my D12E. Um, I, uh, Vintage I was friends. microphone, yeah, by the yeah. way. Yeah. I was friends with... Um, one of the guys that was involved with um, Electric Ladyland Studio. Mm-hmm. And this was like back in the late 90s. Oh, um, wow. And 
I think they were looking to close or something, or they were getting rid of a whole bunch of stuff. For yeah, some I mean, se- several times in their history, like in the last twenty years, they've almost closed like three times. It's right. truly wild. And during that, um, he was uh, this guy Lou. Uh, I think he's still around. I mean, he was an older guy then. I mean, it's been over twenty years since I've seen the guy, but uh, sweetheart of a dude, and uh, he, he was. Um, I forget if he was the producer or the writer of that song, uh, All Night Passion, back in the uh, 80s. I don't think I know. Uh, yeah, I'll show it to you later. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He, he, he was responsible for that and a bunch of other things. Um, but he came in one day to the store that I was working in and he's like, hey, you know, I know you're trying to get your studio off the ground, blah, blah, blah. He's like, uh, we're getting rid of a bunch of mics. Now, at the time, you know, I, I was broke. <laughs> I didn't have any money. Um, and he's like, ah, I'll get you a really good deal on these things. And he brings in the mic and I'm kicking myself to this day because he had a, uh, he had a pair of, uh, Sony condenser mics. And I think, Is that you know the, the ones what that the I'm heck are those? About. The C- the like, uh, oh man, it's going to drive me crazy. They're in the sphere and I love yes, them. Those mics. Yeah. So he had yeah. a pair of those and he was like, uh, you know, I'll do the pair for like a grand. Okay. So he had a pair of those, uh, Sony mics for yeah. a thousand bucks. Yeah, he wanted like a grand for the pair. I didn't dude, have a grand laying around. Like, dude, I, I was like, I don't even think I was making 500 bucks a week at the store I was working at. Like, I was broke. <sighs> dude, that's brutal. That's such a good deal on those. That's yeah. wild. <laughs> and like, that would have been like the shit. Like, I, I, I would have, that would have been great. But yeah, so he had a bunch of other dynamic mics and I saw that he had a D12E and I was like, oh, how much for this? And I think he sold it to me for like a hundred bucks or something like that. And it was in Crazy. great working condition. And it's like a sixties um, mic, right? Time. It's like a sixty-five or something. Uh, they made they started making them in the sixties, and they made them all the way up until the eighties. Um, but your, yours then, is like I think you you figured out your serial number is like from the early seventies or something. So I've had two of these now. <laughs> so the first one that I got was from Electric Ladyland, um, and that one uh developed a crack on the uh like the surround that goes around like the like where the big part of the capsule is yeah um and they're notorious for it because it's made out of plastic um but the mic sounded great um it just had this plastic thing so i had a piece of tape on it and i wasn't using the mic a lot and this is something that ties into our gas thing like i was like all right i'm gonna get rid of this mic and i wound up trading it yeah i traded that for a ribbon mic uh, I've traded it for a vintage Reslo ribbon mic, which I still have now. Um, and then I started missing the crap out of the D12 because I used that for floor tom a lot. And I, yeah. I used to use it for, I recorded um, when I was uh, a bass player. Um, I did You're a, still uh, a bass player. Yeah, kind of. But um, <laughs> I, did a, uh, I did a session in the city and... Like the guy wanted to just do direct bass and I was like, can we mic the cab just, you know, as an extra kind of thing? And he's like, yeah, he was, you know, but, uh, this is what I got for mics. So I was like, all right, I'll bring something in. I brought that D12E in, we set it up. It sounded great. As far as yeah. I know, that's what wound up on the, uh, on the record. But, um, yeah, it, uh, I, I started missing it. So I was scouring the web to find another one that was in decent condition. I found it. And you know, that's, that's where I'm at now with that. I used the, um, so I've had the D12 VR, I think for like six months now. Um, Mm -hmm. I used it. Uh, it's almost always on my kick drum. Uh, it has been for like the last six months. And then I was, um, I recorded bass on a song for the upcoming Lizzie no record. Uh, and, 
the producer on that track, a good buddy of mine, Graham Richmond, uh, wanted like a really like growly aggressive bass sound. So I actually used my, um, did you bust out your B15 clone? Yes, I did. None. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Aww. My B15 clone. I thought you said plug in. Okay. Um, no, no, I, no, so I busted out my B15 clone. Um, and I think I, I played that, uh, Fender Meteora, um, bass through it, which is like an awesome aggressive sounding bass. But I used the D12 VR, uh, as the bass cap mic. And that thing okay. sounded really, really nice on there. It's, it's got a surprising mm-hmm. amount of, uh, like mid range response that I really like. See, I found the opposite on that. Like when I was doing my tests with it, i kind of felt like it felt a bit scooped to me compared to. It's not as scooped as the D112, but it sounds scooped as hell compared to the D12, to me, at least. Compared to your, like, your D12E. Yeah. 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 Well, it's it's interesting. I think uh, listening to your comparison, I was, you know, when I got it, I thought, you know, compared to the D12 at Carriage House, I felt like Mm. I was getting a similar thing. Although I will say, I thought that the D12 at Carriage House, it was much easier to, like, clip it. Um, right. which, you know, to no one's surprise because it is a microphone from 1965 and I definitely right. abused it. <laughs> um, gotta be careful. You, you really gotta be careful, but it sounds amazing. Um, I was working on the uh, funky dogs brass band, um, mm. upcoming record and we recorded all the drums of the kick drum was uh, that nice. carriage house D 12 E. It's awesome. Um, and I felt like it was giving me a similar thing on my kick, even though completely different kick, you know? Yeah. I mean, one of the big things with that mic is every one of them, like the vintage ones, every one of them sounded different. Yeah. Like there yeah. was not like you could not get a matched pair of those to save totally. your life. Like totally. it was, is virtually impossible. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I used the D 12, uh, VR on base cab and I really loved it. Um, so that's another really, really awesome use for that mic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, go, going back to our, uh, going back to our gear acquisition disease here. Um, so you have, you have 12 kick mics. Um, yeah, that's yeah. wild. How how many? And, and again, I my my mic closet. I had one kick drum mic for a very long. Time. I I now have two. <laughs> and yeah, and I actually, think the other day you said uh, I have two kick mics, and that's one too many. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Not that I would get rid of either of them, because and this is going to break your brain. I've never gotten rid of a single piece of equipment. Nothing. I no. everything that I have ever owned as part of my recording studio remains in my recording studio or in storage in my basement. Like my, I, when I first got into recording, when I was like 15 years old, I had mm-hmm. a Tascam hard drive Porta studio. It was a oh. two channels of input and it, and it was uh, eight channels and it was like an old tape machine where you could record on two channels on the first two channels. And then you could record on the next two channels and whatever. And when you were out of tracks, you could bounce those first six tracks down to the last two. So, and I was reading all about like how the Beatles recorded, because that's what they used to do when they had, yes, when yeah. they had like four they track, had like four track machines, right? Exactly. They would record on the first three tracks, bounce that down to the fourth track, and then they would have three fresh tracks. So they would essentially right. be mixing as they went. Yep. Um, so I still have that machine in my basement. And if the hard drive in that thing is still intact, I could probably open it up and listen to what oh. I, the mess that I was making. Uh, Cringe. You know, exactly 20 years ago, but hey, it's important to know where we came from. Um, is it? <laughs> well, but I, I have never gotten rid of anything wow. ever. Uh, I, I sold an entire studio's worth of stuff about three years ago. 
that's I, it, I, I think it's wild to me how you were able because I know you you kind of think of yourself as a collector with some of this stuff. Yes, it's the mics to, especially. Yeah, yeah, the mics especially. That's right. Yeah, you've got some really but, cool, uh, like pieces. Yeah, it, um, I had well, I had the two locations. I had the one where I am here today, and then there was another one at my other place that I had a full rig there like ready to go it was a full you know everything so you simply but had mo- an excess of, of of equipment yeah and, and most of the stuff i wasn't using like i had some vintage um guitar amp stuff that like i just was not using um one of them was the rack version of the mark uh, 2c plus like that uh the plug-in that the mesa the mesa just, boogie, yeah right? yeah um which was like the nirvana nevermind guitar amp yours was like it was like the preamp version of yeah it, right? it's or just the like preamp exactly yeah. yeah and then i had a uh marshall 9100 which is a giant like 120 pound yeah. uh rack uh tube amplifier uh but i wasn't using any of it so like i was yeah. like all right well you know somebody had convinced me to get into some video gear <laughs> guilty <laughs> and, speaking, uh, you know, speaking of uh you know how, yeah. how terrible influences we are on each other yeah so you know it's like that so i was like you know what i'm not using these i got really good money for the guitar stuff that i sold um the other thing that i did too is like i had a bunch of um rack compressors and stuff like dbx compressors i had uh some oh, like the, other, the, like, the, the like single single you the, yeah, like the 166 ones. yeah 166 yeah 166x and 163x or something like that but yeah like i had those that like i had for a live rig that i was running um because mm. i used to do live sound also right um right so all the live sound stuff like i pretty much dumped out i didn't get very much money for those kind of things but like yeah all of that stuff i let go um yeah but you know the only mic I, I I've sold two mics now. One of them I just completely did not care about. It was an Audix like i five or something like that, like the snare mic or something. And I think I only bought that just to do the snare mic shootout kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the sound of it, and I didn't care like if I had it or not. It didn't matter to me. Um, right. But uh, yeah, that that D twelve was the only other mic that I ever sold. So wow. But that's crazy that you have not gotten rid of anything. <laughs> never, never. Uh, I've considered it recently. Um, I've considered getting rid of a few things. I loaned out, um, actually, I loaned out my NT1A to a friend of mine um, mm-hmm. who was like in a tight spot. And she was just like, hey, I need, I need to, you know, just something to do like demos on at home. And I realized I haven't put that microphone up on a stand in maybe 12 years. <laughs> so I was like, all right. You can, you know, you can use this thing. Uh, and then I like loan to repair headphones, but, uh, short of that, uh, yeah, man, I've never, never gotten, never gotten rid of anything. I have approached now this year. I think I'm going to get rid of some stuff. Um, and I'll tell you exactly what it is. Um, I mix hybrid analog, uh, which is to say that I do all of my automation moves and everything in pro tools. Uh, but I have a healthy amount of rack gear, um, that I go through. Uh, and yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe, you know, based on our topic today, we should say we, maybe we have an unhealthy amount of rack gear that we go through. Yeah. uh, Um, um, here's looking at you, Fairchild 670. Uh, but, um, I've been using, um, I've been using, uh, I've been using 22 channels of analog summing for like, you know, maybe the past 10 years. Um, and I've had the, the dangerous, uh, summing 
uh, uh, dangerous summing boxes that I've been going through. And, um, I think, you know, the last couple of years when, when a lot of the DAWs kind of switched over to 64 bit, um, processing, uh, and headroom just kind of got dramatically been over. It's been over 10 years. I know. I know it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been a while. Sorry. My cat (laughs) is like freaking out. He's trying to figure out where to go. You know, it's, it's become, it's become very apparent to me also. Thanks to, uh, (laughs) thanks to eye opening videos by guys like Dan Worrell. Um, that the analog summing doesn't really do what it used to do. I think there may have been a time when it created a more material difference in, uh, in tone or maybe there wasn't, maybe it's always been, you know, maybe it's always been a placebo effect, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's kind of time to go. I'm going to try to like rewire my whole studio where, uh, all of my analog gear sits on, uh, analog inserts Mm -hmm. rather than, um, sitting kind of, at the end of an output path or before an output path in, uh, in my summing mixer. Um, Yeah. I mean, that, that's the way I have mine set up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, uh, that, that may be, those may be the first two pieces of gear to go. Mm. And then I have a, I have a microphone that I was looking at. I'm just like, why do I still own you? I know, I know. Uh, it's, it's weird. It's an apex 460, uh, do you remember those mics for the, uh, a long time ago they were, they were making them super cheap. Uh, that company Apex, it was like right Those at the height. Those are known as the uh, donor mics. They, they, <laughs> right, yeah, and, your, and, yeah, and mine is a donor microphone. I, I had, okay. um, I previously mentioned Michael Jolie of Octava right. Mod. He modded one of my NT1As to kind of really make it sound like an 87. Uh, and now he, well, not now, they're, they're gone now, but he then took my 460 and I think he swapped out the capsule and he tweaked some of the electronics and he tweaked the head basket, um, supposedly getting it pretty close to a C12. Uh, I've never compared it to a real C12 and I used it for a little while right when I got it. And I think there was like one project where it really didn't work on. And I kind of put it away and moved on to other things. So right. I really haven't even listened to it in a long time. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's the other thing that I just kind of been eyeing like, Hmm, I think you need to go. Right. So, yeah. Um, I really think that, uh, McGlynn kind of picked up where Jolie left off with the whole Mike parts, uh, thing. And, yeah. Right. You know, Matt McGlynn, by the way, for, for, for those of you that, that, yeah, that, that don't know Matt McGlynn owns, mikeparts.com um i am a uh i'm a i'm a big diy guy in fact almost every piece of gear that you see in my studio was built by me um i'm cheap as hell and i'm not gonna <laughs> spend three thousand dollars on a neve preamp when i can build one for like five to seven hundred bucks in fact several um, pieces of gear in my studio were also built by you and that also yeah. then encouraged me to build several other pieces of gear in my studio because go. DIY is built the way to go, Neves, baby. Yeah, huh? it is. It really is. Yeah, uh, so you I, built your Neves, didn't you? I, yes, that's right. I built my Neves. Um, I built my Neves. I built my uh, spring tank. I built right. my uh, B15. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, Ampeg B15 I really clone. want to do that. That's a really good build. It's a really good build. Uh, it's a great base amp, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I have... I have a base amp and a half in the studio right now. I have my old uh, Galen Kruger 800 RB. Yeah. And I have an orange combo amp that like is just the, when you got to plug in and play and just go like, that's what, I, that's it. But I have like different cabinets and stuff, but I only right. have that one head. Cause when I was doing the big gear sell off, 
I had a different GK head that I was using as a backup, as a tour backup kind of thing. Yeah. I found it in a rack at the other studio. I was like, when did I buy this? Like it, it had never been used. It like literally had That's not wrong. a scratch on it. Still had tags hanging off the wow. back of it. Just got wow. rid of it. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. DIY is, is, is the shiz. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's great to be able to build this stuff because first of all, it's cheaper. Uh, if you're, Way. if you're halfway handy with a soldering iron, like a lot of this stuff, not that complicated. It's, it's like playing with adult yeah. Legos, you know? It really is. Especially like, I mean, the Neves that you did, the guy had a coloring book basically to follow yes. to put it's the literally, thing It's literally called the color book. Uh, yes. The Neve 1070. It's the Easy 1073. What is it? Uh, uh, audio call, it's, it's, Yes. Colin. Uh, uh, yeah. The guy's name is Colin. It's from, it, you have to Adhurst? get them from England. Colin Adhurst? Is that his uh, last name? Ashed. A- a- right. I think Some, that's, I don't a- know how to pronounce it, but it's, yeah. it's, I think it's Ashed. But that dude's doing very cool stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So just, if you just look up Easy 1070, like literally the letter E, Z, 1073, uh diy kit you will absolutely stumble onto um yep. it's audio it's AML. aml audio a- maintenance AML. limited yeah yeah yep yeah it's very cool i actually saw a friend of mine from college uh katie blue uh was building them herself and she was also nice. she, she then proceeded to build a, a jcm <laughs> i think nine thousand clone nice um yeah guys it's but yeah super he, fun was, to, he was doing poltex and stuff for a while he there was too. yeah he yeah. was and he was also doing some like lesser less well-known uh neve pieces like the 2254 mm-hmm. compressor yep uh he was building those um, i think he still got those i think he That's does kind of like a staple you know he's the only person you can get the uh carnhill transformers from you cannot buy them from anybody else he is like the exclusive distributor of those like for what? anywhere yeah i don't think you can buy them from anybody else but him so what is, uh, uh, what is Rupert Neve designs using? Are they not using the Carnhills? Oh, they might be getting it through, but you can't go and just buy transformers from Neve. Right. Right. So like, if you're looking to like build something, I think he's the only person that like you can get those through. And, uh, he's usually the only person that ever has gray hill switches in stock also. Yeah, that's right. That's but, right. Yeah. I remember when, um, I remember when I was putting those together and we were chatting about it. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know, it's like there's all these weird legalities about like what piece of gear you can build. Well, like what piece of gear you can find schematics for and who can clone what board at what time. Like if something is, if a unit is currently in production and there's a, um, and there's like a copyright. Patent. Yeah, act, yeah sorry, patent. A, active patent on it. Right. Then like there was, a, there was a moment where the Neve 33609 in the like, what is it like early two thousands was not in mm-hmm. production and had been out of production for like five years. So people started mm-hmm. like cloning them and it was legal. And then they started the same thing with the 1176, the LA two a like right. almost every like 1073, right. the 1084. But, but it's weird because the 1176, like, um, that company Lola still makes them and warm audio is cloning them. Um, right. and UA is actively producing them. So like, what's the Yeah, deal? but the patent is long gone. Right, okay, yeah. um, so, and, and you got to keep in mind too, what UA is putting out now is not a, a 1176 revision a or 1176. Yeah, right, right, right. It's, it's like their new whatever. Yeah. Right. They, they've definitely modernized the, the circuit to an extent. Um, and all of those previous versions of it, same thing with the LA2A, there's slight little differences that they, they did mm-hmm. with those, but those for the most part are still pretty true. You can't get the transformers for them anymore, but they found somebody to make replicas of them and, you know, kick ass unit. 
But yeah, those were not being produced actively. The patent yeah. had run out on them. So you had the DIY community came in and just started cloning fucking right. everything. Like right, it, it right. was, you know. What, what I found was particularly all. funny though, is like the stuff that you couldn't for whatever reason, um, mm -hmm. like copy. And I remember when I was building my 1073s, um, Carriage House Studios, as I was mentioning, where I cut my teeth in, in Connecticut, they have a couple of Shep 1073s. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the dude Shep was the guy that like, along with Rupert Neve designed that circuit. Yep. And then he went off and started his own company Shep. And he had those, ten he had, he was building 1073s that could also slot into like Neve boards or those, right. um, uh, yeah, it still had the, uh, the card connectors and everything. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Like, so it was like interchangeable. Yeah. So Johnny over at the carriage house has a couple of those shout out Johnny Montanese, um, over at the carriage house has several of those Shep Neves. And they have those concentric pots where the uh, the outer ring selects the frequency for the EQ mm -hmm. portion. The outer ring selects the frequency, and the inner uh, knob is uh, your um, uh, your gain. Right. And we were, I was putting together the Easy Ten Seventy Threes, and there for the EQ, there is a separate knob separate knobs. for right. yeah. There's a separate knob for the gain, and there's a separate knob for the frequency selection. And I remember I was like asking like, what the heck? Like, I thought we were, you know, I thought this was going to like, why wouldn't they do this concentric? And then we figured out that that was like the one thing that was still under uh patent on those or something. Yeah, it might've been. Um, the other thing too, is that it's just a hell of a lot easier to do separate knobs than it is to do the concentric thing. Cause if you ever open up a, a real 1073, all of the resistors are soldered to the switch itself. Yeah. That outer, that out, yeah, right. That outer ring, and which is just a switch. Yeah. It, it's not even a concentric pot. It's like that ring is one thing. And then there's a pot like two inches behind it with yeah, like right. a long shaft that goes through the middle of that switch. Sure. And you know, it's the, the way that thing is built is just bananas. I mean, I get why they did it. It saves a ton of space that you have, yeah. you know, a selector and a, and a control. And so many consoles did that. Like, um, off the top of my head, I remember the, like, I think I have a pair of them back here, like quad eight EQs were like that, where, mm. uh, the ring was like the frequency for the, for the band EQ. And then the mm -hmm. top knob was used for the gain, same kind of thing. Yeah. Right. 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 But yeah. And again, like that clone that, uh, AML does, it's called easy for a reason. I mean, like, oh, it's a piece of cake to put together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes a while. I mean, there's a lot of components in it, but when, yeah. at the end of the day, when you're done, it sounds like a Neve. I mean, there, there's it's no... It's a Neve. It's an, a dude, it's a Neve. <laughs> it's a Neve. And, you know, same goes for, um, you know, my Fairchild 670 that, um, you know, I'm going to say you and I built, even though you did most of the work. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that thing. Um, and I think, you know, I was so specific about the parts that I wanted to to put in there because there was like a ch much cheaper way of doing it. But yeah. I went with the, um, I went with the, transformers that were more accurate to the original the Souders, unit. I think you yeah did, the right? Souter transformers yeah I think the other option was to go fully Hammond which funny right. enough now that I'm replacing the power transformer on this unit I did get a Hammond replacement power transformer it's the but, power transformer though yeah the power yeah it's, it's just power. audio's not going through exactly 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 yeah all of my audio transformers are Souter on there which is you know if you're repairing uh uh you know a Fairchild 670 in 2023 and you're trying to get replacement transformers you're going to get Souter transformers um, and, uh, yeah, I mean that thing, 
I had an opportunity to use a real Fairchild once. Um, it was when we were working on um, one of Johnny Winter's last records at Carriage House. Um, and they rented, um, the guy producing that record rented, uh, Fairchild. And this was right around the time that we were kind of finishing ours. So I got a really good sense of like what that thing felt like. And I, I haven't had an opportunity to properly shoot it out against a real one, but it, it, I mean, this thing feels like the real damn thing. It's got the vibe. Definitely. You know? At a certain I mean, point, a circuit's a circuit, you, you know, it's like to, you know, to those people saying that like, oh, well, yeah. you know, I'm going to spend, you know, I'm going to spend $8,000 on a, on a Telefunken microphone. It's like. I mean, you could do that. You're, you're paying $7,000 for the badge. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, no you joke. Know. I mean, yeah. I mean, how many like things, in fact, uh, we were, we were looking to shoot out cause I think, uh, carriage house has the, uh, ELAM 251. Yes. They? Yeah. So yeah, I think we one. were actually looking to do a shootout at, at some point of that versus, uh, like the warm audio version of it versus like, I think I built the, mar- uh, the mic parts version of it. Yep. Um, Ver- and, versus also you know, we have the, um, uh, you have that other one too, you know, right? Well, the, I, I have the warm audio. Um, I have the warm audio that I love okay. the, the, my, my two one. I think you, you may be thinking of, uh, it's a little off screen there, but, um, I have a ADK, ADK two fifty one, but it's a FET. Right. Um, so my, this oh, one, okay. these, okay. I have a pair of them. Um, they are right. two, they are not two mics. They're FET mics. Yeah, um, and then we have the, uh, we have, we have the sphere also. The sphere. The yeah. Mod, which, right. You know, speaking That's of which, you know, I was saying yeah, I'm going to get rid of one or two of my uh, old tube mics that I don't use. One of the reasons is, you know, I got the, the at the time it was the Townsend Sphere, now it's the UA Sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sphere mic modeling system, which just sounds incredible. And that to me is like the ultimate gas gift to myself of like, well, that's it. I've got, I've got all of my vocal mics in like, that Ever. thing does not leave my, <laughs> my stand. Um, that was my first video with the, uh, the shootout. That's right. Yeah, it was. So. It was. And that, that thing sounds remarkable. That thing is, it uh, thing really is really does. an achievement. It really does. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are just like, oh, it'll never sound the same. And to be fair, there are some things that, yeah, it, it's not going to sound like it. You're, yeah. you're trying to make a condenser microphone sound like a dynamic microphone. The physics yeah, yeah, are yeah. just not correct. Totally. But damn, it gets close enough. I mean, but, you know, the, the wild thing about it is one of my favorite, and this is going to like, uh, you know, go into my guess is, you know, like what, what gear are you looking forward to? One of my favorite settings on that microphone is using the Coles 4038, uh, setting. And that thing sounds, that thing sounds great. I use it. I'll set it up uh, as a drum room mic. Um, and instead of facing the drum kit, I set it up onto the side cause it records the two capsules. So then it's like really right. recording like the reflections off the walls. And I have right. a fairly small, you know, in comparison to like some larger rooms, I have a fairly small drum room, but that microphone, the way that it's set up, because I'm really recording reflections off the walls, I can get things to sound larger than life through that. And between that and then using some, um, uh, using some software, um, room reverbs, you know, that really gets me to where I need to be. But I use regularly when I do that, I use the Coles 4038 model on that. Um, and I'm actually really curious what it would sound like to, you know, compare that to a real Coles 4038, which I'm going to do. I have a, my buddy has a pair of them and, and he's going to, he's going to lend, lend them to me, um, yep. to, to do some shootouts. But that's something that I've been, I've been like really thinking about. Mm, I think I might want a pair of those guys. <laughs> and I've just been salivating over them for like what, two months now that we've been, you know, I, I'll call you like once a week and be like, so Coles 4038, took me out of it. <laughs> No, I'm not going to talk you yeah, out so, of you it. Know, how often do we have that conversation where one of us calls the other yeah. and goes like, hey, talk me out of this purchase? And the answer is yeah. always no. 
Now, you actually, you, you talked me off a ledge once, and I'm, I'm kind of glad you did. I don't remember what it was for, but you definitely did. Yeah, I'm, 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 I think I'm exaggerating. I think once in a while, I think there were a couple of times where you've said to me, you don't really need that, and I've said the same thing to you. Yeah. But, um, uh, <laughs> a week goes by, it's like, hey, I bought it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yeah. So spe- speaking of uh, gas, um, I think I was going to, um, and I'll get to this because my, um, you know, you talked about the thing you're really guilty of is microphones. Uh, the thing I'm like overly guilty of, and it's so easy because you can pick up, you can pick them up like they're snacks, you know, is guitar <laughs> pedals. Uh, I have. I always I, find it funny because like a guitar pedal in a studio, like was always such a weird thing to me, but yeah. Uh, I love them, man. I'm obsessed with them. Um, I have more fuzz pedals than, uh, I know what to do with. Um, I have tons of wacky effects pedals. I very recently picked up, um, uh, one of my, in like the, in the last year alone. So I, I picked up the hologram microcosm, which is a granular effects pedal. I think mm-hmm. sounds awesome. It'll like chop up your audio and turn it into like, it's, it's the instant, like, uh atmosphere vibe just like wild shit pedal and i used it in the mix um i I was producing my buddy tommy weeks's uh project uh called strangers and one of the songs on there had like this like really atmospheric um really just out there sounding guitar solo Mm -hmm. like as uh, sorry guitar as sax solo and uh saxophone yeah uh he's a sax player uh so it's like it's house music with horns um it's really cool um i think i probably played you some of it um anyway regardless so he had this like one song that that you know we we talked about the middle section of the song just goes to space we like changes time signature changes changes uh everything like the vibe completely just like takes a takes a hard hard shift and he takes this like really spacey wild sounding sax solo and we just like we were trying to figure out how to make it sound crazy with like delays and reverb or whatever Mm -hmm. um and i just I, I sent it, um, I sent it in an effects loop out to the pedal. Uh, it's got a line input. You can like configure it to do line in. So what uh, do you use to do that? Do you use like direct boxes to try to bring the level down? No, or anything, the, or you just um, go direct through it. I don't remember if it's automatic or not. Cause I haven't done it in a few months. Um, I've just been using it as a guitar pedal lately, but I think mm-hmm. it's like the Strymon pedals where if you send it line signal, it just knows. Oh really? Yeah. It just like, and it okay. like automatically kind of sets itself up for for a line level in and out i can't remember if i did that or if i just like or if i just or if it was still reading it as guitar level uh mm-hmm. and i just like turned it down to like negative 30 db on this end or something right right um you know i'm not i'm not precious about that sort of thing i uh you know when i'm using guitar pedals in a mix you know you're supposed to go out through a reamp box and back in through a right. di i just I just take it out, line out, and if I have to like pad the output down, I'll just pad the output down on the send, right. and it's fine. It's like it's never been a problem. Um, so I, I have usually, that thing. Do you usually print that? Like when you when you come yeah, back? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. Yeah, because I um I may use it on like multiple tracks or do like ah, multiple okay. different takes and stack them or something like that. Nice. Um, another thing that I've been using this was kind of, this one's kind of wacky. I'm gonna pull this out for a sec. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> Let me whip this out. <laughs> Another thing that I've been using is uh, this pedal, which is um, from my currently, f- currently like oh, my I know favorite. That. Okay. Yeah. They're yeah. like my favorite um, pedal manufacturer. These guys, Beatronics. Um, yep. Shout out, huge shout out, Beatronics. Honestly, they're, they're these guys out of California and they just, uh, 
the attention is that the to one detail. that has like the crazy artwork and like the circuit should boards, i open like it old... do you think should i should i you don't open have to it? open it but okay. yeah but yeah the circuit board like when you, when you unscrew it the the pcb on the inside the printed circuit board is like there's a ton of artwork on it and it's like cut into the shape of like a beehive it's great right. i mean these guys their attention to detail is out of control this pedal is really cool it's a um one side of so it's two sides it's the king and the queen side um and there's a mix knob on each side the circuit is the same that okay. this always runs through and when you flip from the king side to the queen side you're just changing what uh the the mix amount between the overdrive circuit and the fuzz circuit okay so basically like if you have this one is set all the way all the way uh counterclockwise Damn, this one is set right. all the way clockwise when you switch between them you're on overdrive here and fuzz here or right. you can like do like a 12 o'clock which is a blend yeah exactly it's yeah. A, each side okay. is a blend between fuzz and overdrive that you can set independently okay. um but just the overdrive circuit on this thing i was working on a project where i got um uh i was i was mixing a project for this for this cat grand terry um out of uh nashville really awesome singer songwriter um mm. great project super you know really like vibey soulful um funky singer songwriter stuff uh, okay. but so they recorded a couple of the songs, they recorded drums without a room mic. And I just really wanted to like trash up the drum sound a little bit. And mm -hmm. yeah, I could have done it with plugins, but what I ended up doing was finding a setting on this thing and running the overheads one by one, uh, you know, first the left overhead, then the right overhead right. through this circuit on like mostly, mostly just the drive part of okay. the circuit. I didn't even touch the fuzz of it. And dude, I gotta tell it sounded great. Uh, it, you know, then you have to kind of like line it back up in Pro Tools. Otherwise you get like a bunch of weird right. comb filtering, but right. the drive circuit in this thing, like weirdly did this magical thing to the, um, uh, to the, to the right. overheads that really kind of brought out, um, almost like compression really kind of brought out the tails of everything. Yeah. I mean, um, distortion technically is a form of compression. Right. I mean, cause right. you're just clipping the top of the, uh, the waveform there. So yeah. So much so that I've actually very gingerly reached out to these guys and explained how I was using it and asked like, Hey, what are the chances of you guys building me a stereo rack unit of, uh, mm. <laughs> of this thing? So that's a conversation <laughs> Going down that route. <laughs> that is. Yeah. I mean, you know, Oh, I don't need any more gear. Can you build yeah. me something? Yeah. Um, you, uh, I'm building you something right now, actually. It, you are. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're yes, building I me am. a pair of, uh, a pair of pre's. Um, I have, yeah, but I have so many fuzz and distortion pedals and I have a bunch of weird things. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to crack out a couple of two other fun things sure. I want to shout out. Um, I'm probably coming across like a crazy Beatronics fanboy, and that's probably because I am, <laughs> um, but I have two other pedals from them that I've been just obsessed with. The thing that I love about guitar pedals is that to me, they're like inspiration boxes. Like the, the mm -hmm. weird ones are like the, um, hologram microcosm, the granular effects pedal that does just wild things to sounds i gotta Certainly, hear that i don't think i've ever heard it so I'll, I'll yeah we'll we'll play around with it it's um you know so the granular effects for those you know anybody listening that may not know essentially what it does is it takes a sound chops it up into tiny little bits uh like some, not sample by sample but close uh and then rearranges them so it it'll do like weird loopy things yeah it's wild like it'll do weird loopy things it'll like and it does this in sounds. real time yeah that's that's wild it's it's absolutely like, bananas yeah <laughs> it, it makes like glitchy sounds it can do like weird warbly things my favorite thing to do with it is it has a setting where you can play notes into it and it'll just like infinitely loop them and turn them into a pad um, okay so i'll get i can get like synthy sounds like synthy um atmospheric right. synth sounds out of a like playing a single note on a guitar um so i, I really love that 
but I have these couple of pedals. Uh, this is the first pedal that I ever got from Beatronics. It's called the Beatronics Zombie, and it's a filtremulator. It's an atta- It's a, a um, that's Z O M B E E Z Z O M. Z Z O M B E E. It's like four effects in one that cross modulate and talk to each other and do wacky things. So okay. there is a um, there's an overdrive circuit in here. There is a uh, low a monophonic low octave in here. Uh, there's a filter circuit in here and there is a tremolo circuit in here. And all of those can talk to each other. So for example, you can use each one of them on its own. So you can just use it as a distortion pedal, which by the way, Beatronics, if you make a distortion pedal of just the distortion circuit in this thing, I will buy it. So will about a million other people. <laughs> um, imagine for example, a tremolo but instead mm-hmm. of, you know, an, how a tremolo normally works is modulating volume from right. zero to, you know, full volume right. in, you know, varying, varying degrees of uh, sharpness, right? It can right. be like a square wave. It can be, um, it can be a sawtooth wave, wave or a sine wave, yeah. whatever. Right. So this will do that. It, it'll do the volume thing. Or okay. what it can do is it can, a tremolo between the low octave on one side and the distortion on the other side. So you essentially get something that sounds almost like the disco. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it'll, it can do that. It, it also has like, uh, it also has like mad mode in here. And what that does is it has, um, a randomized step sequencer where it'll do different, uh, it'll do different filters. I used to love that. I used to have a random step filter on, um, long time ago. I had a Korg, uh, floor box that, Mm -hmm. that had that in there. And if you set it just right, it would sound like water. Like it would just be like this, like very drippy, watery sound. It was yeah. amazing. The, the cool thing about this is that it it'll it'll do that, but it'll also do, um, you know, the the sequences are randomized. But once you find the one that you like, once you find the random pattern that you like, it's like an eight beat pattern or like a six beat pattern or whatever. And it sounds like an arpeggio, but it's always in tune. Like okay. think about like a like a filter that goes like it's. It's right. opening and closing the filter and going to different uh, frequencies, but because it's just an EQ, right? You're always in tune, but you're creating this crazy rhythmic pattern. Uh, so it's just changing the harmonic content then of it. It's probably the same root, but then ex- putting ex- like ex- right, exactly, exactly. So okay. it's not actually an arpeggiator. It's it's a modulating filter. It's so crazy. I use it so much. Uh, in productions, uh, same thing on that guy, Tommy Weeks's record. We got like really weird on one song and this was like, I was basically playing like power chords and letting that just like create all sorts of crazy, uh, Mm. weird patterns. The only downside with this is that it doesn't have MIDI input. So Mm. if I am, uh, I have to tap tempo on it and I actually, I got, uh, I got another guitar pedal called the, uh, disaster area micro clock that you can set uh you can set the tempo so you can lock the tempo and and it'll do external this thing does external tap tempo so i can get Uh it pretty close with that but it is a little fidgety so hey uh btronics if you're watching please put uh you know please make a v2 of this guy that has uh midi input because that would be incredible and the other pedal from them that i also recently got is the cb which is you know Imagine how wacky this guy is that I was just talking yeah, you, about. You've the been busy. Tremolo. I've seen the zombie one. I haven't yeah. seen this one. <laughs> so this this is this is as crazy as the zombie, but uh-huh. for chorus. So oh, there's a bucket okay. brigade chorus in here, um, oh, and right. it has 
you know, I'm not going to sit here like this is not a pedal review video, um, but this will do, uh, this does all sorts of crazy chorus things and they really took chorus to the next level. Like they figured out, um, that if you modulate it precisely, you can get chorus to arpeggiate. So this actually has a note arpeggiator. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's, crazy. it's crazy. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta check it out. The yeah. way that I've been using it is, um, it has a momentary switch, which takes uh-huh. it from, you know, you, every, there's like three different circuits in here that you can choose to use right. it on. Um, one of my favorite is Roto. And what that does is it kind of sounds like a rotary. Less rotary speaker kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So you set, yeah. you set the slow speed, which the slow uh-huh. speed could be totally off. Right? right. So the way that I've been, the way that I've been using it live uh, with my, with one of my funk bands is I'll set the low speed to be completely stopped. And then I'll set mm-hmm. the high speed to be, pretty fast and when i'm right. do, when i'm like reaching a note that i would if i was a synth player i would want to like do a mod wheel thing like a vi- like a vibrato yeah. kind of thing or something like that. Yeah, exactly right you just momentary step on this and it gives me that that's cool that wild sound and then you just lift it off and it's gone right and you so can you control like the ramp up speed warble. the ramp down right. speed if you were playing guitar and you wanted to have a little bit of chorus and then step on this momentary to increase the amount of chorus Right. It would do that. And you can, you can tap tempo and this actually does have MIDI in. So you could have your chorus nice. be chorusing at like at the tempo. So you can right, have right, right. your low speed and your, your, your secondary speed is always a subdivision of your low speed. So it's always mm. like, it's always going from like half note to eighth note or from half note to quarter note. Right. 16th Just to eight, like, something like that. They yeah. thought of everything truly. Um, so that's, you know, that's two of my recent, <laughs> uh, pedal, by the way, all, all, Four of the pedals that I've been talking about so far, all within the last year, all within the last year. And then I also bought. Um, we're only halfway through the. Year. <laughs> we're only halfway through the year, yeah, baby. There's, yeah. there's still, there's still time to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Putting it all away, and that's, and that's to say nothing of plugins, right? I mean, oh, um, God. I was mixing the other day, and my girlfriend like kind of was looking over my shoulder and like listening. Um, and she's great. We worked at, we've been working together on a on a bunch of projects. She's an awesome singer, a vocal arranger. Um, so she was like, she was kind of hanging out in the studio while I was mixing and I opened up my plugins list to like find a compressor, <laughs> a specific compressor that I wanted. <laughs> and she looked at it and she was like, dude, how many, fucking what the hell? we were just looking at the compressors and she was like, how many plugins do you, do you know what all of these do? And of course the answer is yes. like, yes, mostly, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're all, they're all kind of variations on the same thing, but man, I, I, you know, I think at least once a year we have the conversation where yeah. it's either you or me, but we're talking about like, oh yeah, I just uh, deleted a whole bunch of plugins. Uh, man, I, I had the same exact thing happen the other day. I had a client in and, uh, uh, they had, it was a younger guy that was with them and he's like looking to get into like production and stuff. So like brought him down, wanted to check things out or whatever. Poor guy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, same thing. Like I opened the plugin list and his mouth just like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you've been doing this for 20 years. I mean, right, I have exactly. plugins that are literally from the early 2000s still. Right. Like it, it they don't go bad. I mean, like unless they don't Some update of them because I have I do have I have lost plugins that uh didn't make the jump over from 32 bit to 64 URS. or haven't uh yeah, URS. Oh, the and, URS bundle. I remember I had the URS channel strip and yep. uh, I loved that plugin back in the day and Mm-hmm. They just, they went out of business um, and they got yes, left behind I was by there when it happened. Yep. Yeah, you were. That's right. Yeah. 
unfortunately. But uh, yeah, that's, I mean, the plug-in thing is ridiculous. And the other thing too is like, it, they're always coming out with something new, but it's not new. And then right. that, that kind of kills me. But like, there's always some kind of little twist or something. And it's just like, well, you know, last yeah. time you claim that this is like the most authentic recreation of the, <laughs> you know, API 512, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. And then they come out with a more authentic another one. It's like, this is the more authentic version of the this. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, all right, well, then what did I pay for last time? And why do I have to pay to upgrade this if you guys fucked up the first time? Like, <laughs> well, I, you know, I, th I think the, the big. <laughs> To us, with, with some companies, there is a uh, there is a marked difference, right? Like like Universal Audio is one that uh, that I think about when they went from UAD one to UAD two, and they had more powerful processing. They um, mm. when they like released the newer versions of, for example, like the Neve preamps, they modeled. I think the models were like more accurate and deeper, and like when they were released the mo the newer updated model of the Fairchild six seventy. They, I think the original model just captured like the attack release times and the compression characteristics. The newer model also captured the harmonic characteristics. Right. Um, I could be wrong about that. I mean, okay. they, they may have also done some modeling of the harmonics back in the yeah, day. I, I remember it. I, I definitely remember it being a little, uh, a, a little colorful because mm -hmm. uh, I did get the original one. I don't think I ever upgraded to the new one because, you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't use the Fairchild all that much sure. for 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 anything, but uh, that that's your bag. Um, but yeah, uh, like example, like the eleven seventy six from them too. Like you know, how many times have they redone those? Um, At least twice that I'm aware of. They you know yeah. they had the yeah. um, the legacy version and the uh, right and the newer version. Yep. And then when they came out with the Spark stuff, they came out with another version. They added like the uh, headroom knob and something else. I think they yeah, added. but that's that was just a functionality upgrade because that uh, I think we we got that in like the yeah. old the if you have the V two version of the eleven seventy six collection, you you know that got upgraded. Yeah, we, they they added that, and that's something that I really like is like UA UA is one company that you know they don't do this a ton, but when they do upgrade a plugin like that, it's like oh mm -hmm. we just got added functionality. Like we got a mix knob and a headroom knob. Right. Great. Which, by the way, mix knob. Every plugin awesome. should have that. Should have it at right. like every single plugin, like plugin manufacturers. There's no reason not to. I mean, absolutely honestly. not. It's like you know, it's right. honestly, it's like I know a lot of uh, a lot of guys that um, I really respect. Um, uh, Dan Worrell, uh, one of them. Um, uh, White Sea Studios, another. Some other YouTubers that I you know really think are doing it right. You know, uh, something that that a lot of those guys are saying is you know also uh, automatic makeup gain. Yeah. I wanted to I wanted to ask you this since we're kind of like um I think we've we've gone fully off the rails here but since we we are sort of trying to talk about gear acquisition syndrome um in general and I do I I by the way definitely want to make this a regular segment that you know for at least like 10 minutes each time we should talk what about What did like, we buy this yeah, week? Yeah, like what what mess did you get yourself into this time? Uh I can already tell you I know exactly what the next things I'm I'm looking at are uh we'll, we'll get to that in a minute but what I wanted mm -hmm. to ask you is um a favorite piece of kit that you've acquired recently. Recently? Yeah. Doesn't have to be super, it could be like whatever, like last year uh, in, in the, in, in, in the, in the whole last year. What, what's your favorite piece of kit? I hate to say this. Nothing. <laughs> um, like everything that Bold. I've, all right, no, 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 no. I'm going to take that back. The home ribbon mic. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. 
Okay, so this was something that somebody had suggested to me. I looked into it and I contacted. It's like this one dude in the middle of like nowhere, Australia somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably like in a major city. I don't know. I just made that up. Um, but uh, there's one okay. dude in Australia. Fucking he's, kangaroos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I contacted him. I said, hey, somebody hit me up, uh, you know, hit me to your, uh, you know, your mics and everything. I said that, you know, they look pretty cool. I said, is there any way that we can, you know, work some kind of thing? Can you send me one for review? And you know, I'll leave a deposit or whatever. And, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll cover shipping and everything. And he's like, yeah, cool. You know, well, let's do that. And I gave him like half up front or something like that and mm-hmm. shipped it out to me. Dude, I put this thing up and I was like, yeah, you're not getting this back. <laughs> I <was laughs> yeah, like, I remember. Tell me what the, I, the, me what the balance really is good. on this because yeah. this is not, this is not going back. But I will say, um, out of the more than it's more than a dozen mics in the last two months. Um, oh yeah, man, you get you you the, your that channel bad. of yours is is not helping your your disease. You know what the worst part is? Like I haven't even done like videos on most of the ones that I've gotten. Like I there's things that I got like you don't even know about. <laughs> there's, oh, there's things crammed in the cabinet right ooh. now that are just like ridiculous. So what's your uh what's your uh fave? Um I so in the last year I've acquired so much stuff that I really love. Um even like that bass right there, that Meteora bass from Fender. I love that thing. Um I've been, you know, that's kind of been my chief uh chief axe for a lot of the performance stuff. You know, I showed all of those pedals that I showed. I think I got in the last year all stuff that I love. The single piece of kit that has probably brought me the most joy, though, is, um, I don't know if it's out of frame here, but um, I got a small rack from M-Gear Designs, a really awesome company up in Canada. Um, they made mine. Yeah, they made, <laughs> they made your rack. My side rack is, is made by M-Gear Designs as well. Really mm-hmm. can't shout these guys out enough. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll second that. The the prices for what you're getting. I mean, this is like handmade studio a furniture. Beautiful and furniture. it's like half the price of anything you'll find yeah like in the u.s they're from yeah. canada even with the shipping like <laughs> it was it was so it's, it's amazing. it can't be beat it can't be beat yeah. um i'm you know anytime i ever need more and the guys are phenomenal gear. too like, um, they, incredible they were really Su- helpful yeah super sweet guys did a really great job of communicating with me everything i needed um so but i have this rack um from from m gear designs and it's filled with um and i know i remember you were laughing at me when i was putting this together but it's filled, oh i know this okay. it's filled with um rack drawers and um uh they are pen Elcom rack drawers and i got the pen Elcom drawers because they're the only guys that i could find that made drawers deeper than 15 inches so mm-hmm. i have a uh, 3u uh drawers in in there that are all 18 inch deep uh and I used to just have like all this crap just like lying around everywhere. I still kind of do a little bit. I'm not Mm -hmm. the best at keeping everything organized, but since I got all of these drawers back there and I also have like a whole set of drawers in my other M gear rack over here, having just being able to put everything away and knowing where it is, like all of my guitar pedals are in the top three drawers there. So I have like all of my fancy effect pedals are in the top drawer. All of my like distortion and fuzz are in the middle drawer then the bottom you drawer. have drawers Dude, filled with I pedals. have I, I have drawers filled with <laughs> but you know what i know where everything is and um the the third oh, drawer that justifies down, it. <laughs> it listen listen hey now hey now uh, mr i just bought a second microphone case 
All right. Uh, okay. But but you know what, man? I can quit anytime I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Y'all got any more exactly. microphones out there? Yeah, um, exactly. But dude, here. like storage and organization, like it it cannot be overstated how oh, yeah. important that is to what we do. Like just being able to uh, know exactly where things are and not have to like turn the whole place upside down. Fine. And I know it sounds silly, but like having, having the M gear rack over there that has, yep. um, first of all, it, it has a top place for people to, you know, the, the top is like a table so people can put their drinks up there. I put a, um, again, I don't know if you can see it in, um, you know, right now it, I can't, but yeah, yeah maybe, maybe in the watch shot you, you'll be able to, but, um, in the top, I put a, a power strip, uh, a rack mount mm-hmm. power strip that has all of the power on the, uh, that has all the power connectors on the front. So people can like oh, okay. plug in their phone. There's like eight pa- power right. connectors on the it's front. It's a convenience thing, really. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's a convenience right. thing, but you know what? That's important. Like I have, um, absolutely. you know, this couch is a piece of kit in the studio. That's for people to sit mm-hmm. in and sit on and be, be comfortable. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. you know, the people are coming through here. They want to be comfortable in the space. I want to be able to provide them with that. And also, right. you know, having the place be clean, like having stuff put away, right everything having its place, it's really important. And that I think has demonstrably improved my time in the studio more than anything else. Um, I would I, say that, yeah, that, and yeah. one other thing is, um, and I, you definitely can't see this now, but I have, um, I have my, all of my guitars hanging on the wall now above my yeah, door. Yeah, I remember us, uh, I remember us talking about that. <laughs> yeah. I, so I used to have these, um, oh, my light just died. Stands right. everywhere. I used to have those, um, I guess the colloquial term for them is guitar boats. This stands that can like hold five guitars in the corners yep. of my room, um, in either corner. And they were just taking up so much space and yeah. putting everything up on the wall. Again, it's organization. It looks great. Everything mm-hmm. is displayed more beautifully now. And I've reclaimed so much more space, um, more space in right. place. I, in fact, I reclaimed so much space that I was able to put the, um, end table, um, storage space there. And I was able to get the fender roads that I have out of my live room and into my control room so that it's more easily accessible for, you know, doing overdubs and things like that. And it's right. organization, man. It's so important. Yeah. We organize so we can get more stuff so we well, can exactly, feed the gas. <laughs> exactly. It's, you know, we're coming full circle. Yeah. We're coming full circle. And I know. in fact, I'm sitting here, um, you know, we're talking about how I've never gotten rid of anything and how you do get rid of a lot of things. I'm sitting at here looking at something that, um, you got rid of and dumped on me. You know what I'm, you know <laughs> what I'm going to, br- no, not the, the not the EQ. It's not the EQ. It's, oh, it's way, way oh, worse. Geez. It's the banjo. Oh, the banjo. <laughs> the the yes. banjo. This, uh, this oh, monstrosity. Man. It's a, it's a, it's a six string banjo. It's a, it's a banjo strung a, up like a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. It's a guitar Joe. The reason I hated that is I had it in my live room and when anybody would play like drums or anything in the live room or even piano, like that thing would resonate. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is like yep. I have to go over there and stick tape on it every time I want to record. I was just like, oh, I got to get yeah, rid of this. Thing. It's a uh, it. I I found one corner in the room where it doesn't resonate when I'm mixing. Nice, because it's sitting in my <laughs> control room right now. But it's sitting uh, in such a space that it, it either doesn't resonate or I just don't hear it now because right. it's t- it's tucked away. Um, but I think I uh, I've used it. You gave it to. I think you like dumped it on me like a year ago, and I think I've used it. Yeah, it was sitting in your studio for years, and I think I used it in yeah. three in the first three months more than you ever used it in the whole time that it was sitting at your place. Twice I used it for two projects. I bought it used um, for a project I had to do like this like Western kind of music stuff for yeah. uh, 
forget if it was a video game or a commercial or some shit like that, but um, that, and I had another project where I needed just like banjo pluck kind of things and the samples just weren't doing it for me, but literally, I think I had that thing over 10 years ah! and I have used it tw- oh twice in that full 10 years. Yeah. 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 I, I knew you would use it more than I would. I mean, you, you do a lot more like kind of. southern rock country rock yeah well not even southern rock you know like even like folky kind of stuff but like you know ambient kind of things like where like you know a different sound texture you know you're you're very into that kind of stuff so you definitely it's it's been used primarily on country uh on uh uh, my buddy uh greg matson's uh project Mm -hmm. where um we're kind of doing this it it, the whole thing feels very nashville um but he's Mm -hmm. playing almost all the guitar parts and uh there were a couple of tunes that just like needed banjo and we could have either like sent it out to a banjo player or just like here greg you do it and he like he's got like the 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 finger picking and and the uh you know just the vibe totally down he knows the notes that he wanted to hear so it was just like yeah it's easier to do it this way than you know yeah but it was great it it it, (laughs) well great great is a great is an overstatement it worked it did the it's thing. banjo. Like, how good could it be? I mean, I yeah, mean, I don't think it's supposed to. Tell the Bella Fleck. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, tell uh, it you know. <laughs> to Bella Fleck. Yeah. But yeah. Absolutely um, wild. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Awesome. So maybe we, uh, maybe we leave it off on that note. And uh, yeah, because we're about at a, you know, we're over an hour at this point. Oh um, yeah, well over. But, uh, well over. For our inaugural run here. Um, yeah. So uh, we're going to try and make this a... Uh, I don't know how how often you think you want to do this. Uh, you know, I think whenever whenever the muse strikes, right? <laughs> All right, I'll see you next year. <laughs> uh, I mean, it took forever to get this one together. All right, so I think uh, I think we're gonna wrap this one up now. Yeah. Um, and uh, if anybody out there is listening, thank you. And uh, we're gonna try and do this uh, on a semi regular basis. And yeah, uh, this is Pags, and uh, I'm Mikhail. And uh, thanks for listening to what we call the Patch Bay. (laughs) Yeah, see you guys next time.